rise. Jesus went to the house of Lazarus, which was the house of Mary and Martha. He had said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. His disciples, before they went to the house, asked him about that, and he says in John 11, he said plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there's a focus on belief. Martha, therefore, said when she heard, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to Martha, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked the question, that he talked about earlier with his disciples. Do you believe this? We are here because of our belief in the resurrection. We're here because of celebrating the life of Helen Houston. We're here to give Jesus praise and glory and honor. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would meet with us. Thank you for the privilege of gathering. Thank you for the life, the faithfulness unto you, unto death, the death as, as you held Helen uh, gently in your arms and took her to glory, the death of Helen, our loved one, our relative, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother, friend, fellow believer in Jesus Christ, thank you for the opportunity to gather and to thank you for her and to give you praise for all you've done for us and specifically for her life among us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We, we gather in the certain hope of the resurrection that in Jesus' death and resurrection he has removed the power of death and given uh, eternal life to all those who have trusted in him so that uh, even as we prepare to lay Helen's body in the ground, uh, we do it with this unbreakable hope that mitigates our grief. Grief is real. Uh, it's, it's actually good in this life to grieve. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But that grief is always mitigated with the promises of God kept in Jesus Christ uh, and the encouragement that we receive as we see the way that faith in those promises was demonstrated, uh, in this case, in Helen's life as she trusted Christ and bore the fruit of his spirit. I'd like to read just from two passages, one, uh, Psalm 91, focusing on God's promises and, and the benefit of that in our, our lives and Helen's life, and then from Proverbs 31, which, which captures uh, in, in kind of a snapshot uh, the beauty of a godly life, a life lived by faith in the promises of God in Jesus Christ. I'll read just from Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4, and then the, the final three verses, 14 through 16. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. 
verse 14, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because, because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Psalm 91 is a psalm of, of comfort, assuring God's people, those who trust in Jesus, of the Lord's faithful, loving, and protective presence for all his children through all of life on into glory. Uh, many of you uh, here at Filbert will know that we call Psalm 91-1 the 9 verse because that's what Helen's brother Jim Mitchell called it. In times of trouble and fear, in times of, uh, if you will, spiritual emergency and danger, we grab hold of the whole psalm, starting with verse 1, 9 for help and assurance. This is the kind of psalm that produces, for those who trust in the promises of Psalm 91, it produces a life of steady, calm, consistent faithfulness. Uh, through the ups and downs, through all of life's troubles, uh, that kind of steady, calm, consistent faithfulness that can only come from knowing the Lord who makes these promises. I'll just point out a couple of things in, in the psalm. The psalm joins together several different things. The challenges of life, things like danger, pestilence, uh, it talks about warfare, talks about evil befalling us, uh, wicked people surrounding us, destruction at noon. It, it couples the challenges of life, whatever those may be, uh, with the unfailing presence of God. And so the psalmist says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, and then hear the emphasis on protection, security, comfort in the way that the Lord is described. The Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my shelter, the shadow of the Almighty, my God in whom I trust. He's the deliverer. He covers us with his pinions. We find refuge under his wings. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. It's all images of protection, of comfort, of security. And the promise is that those who trust in the Lord who is our refuge, the Lord who is our safety, in whose shadow we dwell for protection, uh, the promise is he will hear when we call, he will answer, and ultimately he will bring us into glory. And so the end of the psalm ends with this kind of sevenfold assurance. God says seven times, I will, I will, I will do these things. Uh, he, or, or you can apply it to yourself, she, uh, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. It's, it's the pattern of the believer's pilgrimage in this life into glory. Going through danger, going through trouble, through heartache, through all of life's trials. Calling upon the Lord, knowing that the Lord answers, that he delivers, that he rescues and even honors those who call upon him, being satisfied with a long life. Uh, what a blessing that Helen was able to see her, her 90th birthday, live, live in her own home with, with uh, children coming and helping and attending to her in different ways, uh, living a long life, being satisfied with many years, uh, and then being brought into glory where she has now uh, seen in an experiential way and enjoying the salvation that she experienced in this life, now fully in the presence of the Lord. These are God's promises to God's people, to hear us, to answer us, to give us comfort and security in this life and joy in the life to come. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 31, rather, describes for us the, the, the beautiful life of a godly woman. Uh, who trust in these promises. As, as you listen to it, think about how these verses were on display in, in Helen's life. It's not, it's not hard to, to hear it. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. 
She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grab the spindle, grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This is a beautiful proverb that captures the beauty of a godly life, a life lived in dependence upon Jesus, trusting in the promises of God in him. It captures godliness, A woman who trusts the Lord. Industry, somebody who works diligently for her family and for others. No lasting fear of what's to come. She smiles at the future. She is trusted, loved, and honored by her family. I think uh, the family's care and love for Helen exemplified uh, this response. What she put in, she received back uh, from you all. Uh, in kind. It's a woman who leaves a lasting legacy. I don't know if you captured how the, or caught how the, the proverb ends with this contrast. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, it's not a wholesale condemnation of physical beauty or of a charming personality, uh, but what it's saying is that oftentimes those things are a mask and it covers something that's not charming, something that's not beautiful on the inside. And so uh, Solomon here says those, those things, it can be deceitful, it can be vain, it can be empty, it can be just a show, a facade, and underneath is something quite different. But not so with the woman who fears and trusts in the Lord. What you see is what you get, a life of integrity, a life of godliness, a life of humility and trust in the Lord demonstrating on the outside what what is true on the inside, a deep faith in the promises of God. I think we saw this, I know that we saw this in uh, Helen's life as she demonstrated throughout her life, uh, faith in the promises of God, uh, demonstrating a godly life, uh, loving her family, extended family in this, this community, the family of God, uh, here at Filbert, being a lifelong uh, member here at Filbert. And that leaves a lasting legacy uh, among you, her, her family, and her friends, and the, the Church of Jesus here at Filbert, uh, a legacy remembering a life well lived to the glory of God and dependence upon God's grace in Jesus, uh, but also a legacy before the face of God in glory. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Before the face of God in glory, when all remaining pretension is, all remaining pretense is stripped away, uh, Helen was welcomed into the glory of the heavenly city with great joy uh, by her heavenly Father who loved her and who graciously rescued her in Jesus Christ and who demonstrated uh, that love and that grace and holiness in her own life. And so may you, the family, and, and all of us who gather find comfort in the promises of the Lord, who is our refuge, our strength, our deliverer, uh, the one in whose shadow we find safety. And may you be encouraged as you remember uh, Helen's demonstration of her faith in God's promises and his fruit in her life. 
Would you pray with me and then we'll sing uh, together, Yield Not to Temptation, which is on the back of your program. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your promises to Helen, to Martin, to their family, this extended family here gathered, church family. Thank you for the demonstration of your grace in her life and and the example that she lived before us of faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for your comfort, your continued comfort for this family and for the promise of the gospel to be real, strong, and close to their hearts and the hope of resurrection. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you're able... uh, You're welcome to stand. The family can remain seated if they'd like. We'll sing uh, Yield Not to Temptation on the back of your bulletin. different um, hymn to be singing at a funeral. Uh, it is, it, we, we were singing it because uh, at Isabel's homegoing, this was the hymn that gave Helen particular comfort. So when, uh, when, she, uh, when we were talking about that and she was thinking about Isabel's service and so forth, um, this, he will carry you through meant a great deal to her. Hymns meant a great deal to her. Uh, in fact, in these last, in these COVID days, uh, as people uh, either were isolated already or became more isolated and couldn't come to church and didn't have internet, um, we began, we've begun to send out lots more information. And since we're not using hymnals in the bulletins, we always have the words printed now until hopefully we get out of this sometime. But she would take the hymns that we would send out each week and cut them out and, and, and put them beside her chair 
And she would read them, and she recognized that when you read the words, sometimes they make a whole lot more impact on you than when you're actually singing the hymns together. Uh, and, and so for, for this particular hymn, I'm sure that she would be happy to tell you to listen very carefully to all the, all the verses telling you about evil companions and bad language and many of other things for the younger generation, well, for all of us, but for the younger generation, um, I'm sure she'd be happy to tell you to pay special attention to that. But for her, the point was, as you go through the deaths of loved ones, as you go through heavier trials in life, who's going to carry you through? It's Jesus. And that's where she put her, her trust. So that's, that's why we sang that, that particular hymn. Let's, let's pray again. Father, we pray for uh, Fred and his family. We pray for Barbara and her family. We pray for Dan and his family. We pray for Karen and her family. We pray for Marty's family. We thank you for the lives of those who've gone on before you. And thank you particularly today for Helen. We ask that you would be with us as we continue to look to Scripture and look to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to grant us peace and comfort. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, over half the Scriptures we're using uh, come from uh, the, the family, uh, one or another or more than one. Lamentations is about uh, the Lord's faithfulness. Lamentations... 3, 22, and 23. Those two verses are specifically about the Lord's faithfulness. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, Lamentations obviously sounds like it's not just, you know, joy and everything. It's, uh, it has to do with problems. So I'll read a few more verses there. Remember, so this, this, this is... Um, this is Jeremiah speaking to the Lord, saying, Remember my afflictions and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind. As you go through difficult times, this I, I call to mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Uh, you have uh, the Westminster Confession, uh, uh, the shorter catechism there, three questions. Before we get to that, I want to read 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Part of this is to encourage you to maintain the same testimony, the same commitment to the truth that Helen maintained. For you to concentrate on what the basics are and commit yourself to those basics. And everything else will work out in your life. That, that is, that's her testimony. And that's Martin's testimony. That's the, that's the testimony you know, I'd like for you, especially the younger generations, to get a hold of this. This is, this is not just Helen's testimony. She was a Mitchell. Her parents were a Mitchell and a Stevenson. This is the testimony of a huge family, part of whom came into Edgemore, Mitchell types, and have swept across York County, and have taken the gospel with them. And then there's Stevenson's who, who came over from Ireland to Turkey Creek and came up here taking that same gospel. Scots who spent some time in Ireland, but they, they were still the people who were committed to these first three questions here that are in this, in this printed out in this bulletin. And at the base of it, the Bible, and what the Bible has to say about Jesus Christ and how to live for Jesus. And they came up from Turkey Creek to up here. And, and, and my, my testimony is that when you join 
forces of Stevenson's and Mitchell's together, you have a force to reckon with. And someone, as in Helen, who speaks the truth in love, in this wonderful balance. So what is the heart commitment that makes such a huge difference that, that you see, you have seen in her life, is commitment to the Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable or practical or helpful. Profitable. The, the Bible is practical uh, in, in daily life, in belief and practice. For reproof, for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. And you can write those things out by their letters and you add a couple of vowels and you get tractor out of it. And, and, and it, what Scripture does is it pulls you along. It, it, tra- it attracts you to follow uh, so that the man of God may be fully furnished or fully equipped, adequate for every good work. Let's look at these questions here. I'll ask the questions, and I'd like for you to, to, to read the answer with me. There are three questions. First question deals with why are you here? Second question is how you, how you know, how are you going to know how to live your life? And the third question is what are the two big things that the Bible teaches? Three basic questions that I'd pass on to you, our, our generation and, and those who follow. So if you would read the the questions, the, the answers after me. What is the chief end, the main purpose? What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. What rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him? The Word of God, which is contained in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. What do the Scriptures principally teach? The Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Now, if somebody has that viewpoint and lives for Jesus Christ, how are you going to recognize them? Well, then you look at at Galatians 5. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When Jesus comes into your life, he, he brings the Spirit in. And it's just like these peach trees around here, and there are fewer and fewer peach trees, I'm sorry for that, but these peach trees that still remain around here in the springtime, the sap comes up from the, from the bottom, and there's this hydraulic power that comes up and forces the blossoms out, and then eventually to the, the, to the fruit. And that's what happened. And, and y'all have all seen this. You have seen in Helen's life love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, self-control. You have seen these things in her. Some of y'all have, you know, from the time you you came forth, uh, she's been in your life for however many years you're old, but she has lived 90 years, 72 since marriage, when she was 18, Right, the same, right after she, uh, she finished high school. And this has allowed the younger generations. Do you know how many people don't know their grandparents? But, but you knew her and great-grandparents? What a privilege that is. It is, it is a beautiful privilege. And you... You have been able to see those, those qualities of the Spirit in her. You, you, you can't see Jesus, you know, physically in somebody. But you can sure see the fruit. And that's what the Bible teaches. And y'all are all, y- y'all, y'all all have the testimony to that. She has gone to glory. And Jesus met her. And he said, Helen. He said, as far as I can tell from the Bible, he said something like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. John 20 uh, has Jesus right after he was raised from the dead early that morning. 
says in John 20, verse 1, Now on the first day of the week, of course that's the resurrection day, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone was already taken away from the tomb. And then some other things happened there. There's Peter and John and so forth. Um, Verse 9 says, For as yet they did not understand Scripture that he must rise again. So the disciples went away again to their own houses. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw the two angels within and had a conversation with them. And then she ran into somebody in the garden that she assumed was the gardener, the Bible says. John, the Apostle John tells us. And what did Jesus say to her? Jesus said to her, Mary. If you, if you know Jesus as Helen knew Jesus, he knows you by name. He specifically knows you by name. Psalm, Psalm 116 sort of goes with this. Bar, Bar pointed this out to me. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has, he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. Uh, he knows us by name. He calls upon us by name. And that, that chapter also says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. And we're, I think we're probably very familiar with the fact that when we're praying for babies in the womb, we're praying for the Lord's work there, and we know the Lord works there. Um, and, and Psalm 139 is very clear about that. And the Lord works with us all the way through our lives, but Psalm 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones, because that's when his work of their, that sanctification is over, and he, he glorifies them and takes, them, takes us to glory. Isaiah 43 says the same thing. Uh, it, it says that the Lord calls us by name. Do not fear, for I am with you. I, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I have called you by name, Isaiah 43. You are mine. Whom have I in heaven but thee, and upon earth there is none I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the desire of my heart and my portion forever. That's Psalm 73, two verses in there. Let's read together Psalm 23, a precious psalm to Helen. And it should be to us. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The day before her birthday, I read Psalm 90 uh, to her. And it was, it was good to be able to talk about life and death that's coming. N- not that I had any indication that anything was going wrong. I think, I mean, I, she wasn't complaining about her feet or anything. It was, it was a wonderful, wonderful visit. But, but from Psalm 90, it was 90 years old, so that, that's the psalm I read. You turn men back to dust and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight or as yesterday, when it passes by or as a watch in the night. And then I was uh, able to, to read to her, um, uh, Make us glad for as many years as, as the days you have afflicted us. Uh, it says, For all our days have declined in your fury. We've finished our years like a sigh, as for the days of our life, they can need 70 years. If, if you, I'm, almost, I'm almost 70. 
and that's good. It, Psalm 90 says that. But if due to strength 80 years, that's really good. But we're here we were talking about a 90th birthday. And then it says, for soon we're gone and we fly away. And Ruth will be uh, playing that in just, a, in just a little bit, that hymn. Um, the Lord is faithful all the way to the end. And I want you to know something. You have been blessed in ways, and one blessing uh, is finished down here on earth. In Exodus 17, Joshua and the guys were fighting a battle against some bad guys that God said to, you know, to, to really fight against them. And, and Moses was praying for them, and he was raising his hand praying for them. But it was a long day, and Moses was old. Uh, he was somewhere between 80 and 120. Uh, and he couldn't hold his hand up. That was, that was part of his, his praying. He said, but Moses' hands were heavy. Then he took, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sunset. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write it in a book as a memorial. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is My Banner. As long as, as he, could, he could pray, then they, they won the battle. Well, you have had a prayer warrior praying for you as your Aaron and her. Whatever you've been out there doing, she's been praying, you know, number one, that you'd be doing the right things. And number two, that the Lord would go with you and that you would give your lives to the Lord and live for the Lord. And the sun is set on that down here on earth. Uh, but, but praise the Lord, you're still alive. <laughs> and you, you, get to, you get to look at this word and, and go to Jesus and, and read, this, read this word. You, you are part of uh, a, a huge testimony that's come into this area of upstate South Carolina, what they call the backwoods, the, at the time of the revolution, um, you know, the, the, the recently acquired parcel. But it, it is people like the Mitchells and the Stevensons that because of the, they were, their commitment to the Bible and how they understood that applied to their lives that helped turn the tide of the revolution. Upstate South Carolina, Piedmont, North Carolina, mountains of North Carolina, mountains of Tennessee. Um, one one history that was written by um, uh, Billy White, uh, William B. White Jr. and and Ferry Houston Geddes. It talks about uh, Helen's mother, Emma Faye Stevenson, was born in 1891 in Western York County and. Died in 1976, buried at Beersheba. Um, in 1919, Faye was married to J. Calvin Mitchell, who was born January 29, 1889, to John Whitley and Jemima Plexico Mitchell. Mr. Cal Mitchell was a well-respected farmer near Filbert. Faye and Calvin Mitchell, uh, and had to list their children. And then it lists, lists Helen. Helen Faye Mitchell was born... July 10, 1931, graduated from York High School, 1949. July 23, 1949, was married to Martin Luther Houston. Helen and Martin Houston have five children, and they are listed there. That is, that is part of a great movement of people who put their lives in the hands of Jesus Christ and believe the Bible. And my encouragement to you is to go to that same Bible, read about the Holy Spirit who grants you peace and comfort during this time for a life well lived before you and that you have been loved by her and by her Savior. Um, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for Martin's life and now Helen's life, as she's gone to glory as well, we thank you for Marty's life. We thank you for your faithfulness uh, to us in the womb 
and during labor and delivery and during childhood and during young adulthood and during adulthood and the whole aging process if we are given those days. But we know that your promise is to be with us every day, morning and evening. And so we pray your blessings on Fred and Robin and their family. We pray your blessings on Barbara and Joe and their family. We pray your blessings on Dan and Sharon and their family. Pray your blessings on Mike and Karen and their family. We pray your blessings on Susan and her family. And we, we pray for the rest of the family. We pray for the loved ones and friends and neighbors. We thank you for the clear and gentle and firm testimony of Helen Mitchell Houston. We do need your help to go forward. We recognize your help to this day. And we pray that Jesus would be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Helen has, has taught me for a long time. Helen Jim Martin, I, I, he, I, he agreed not to call me Wally if I would agree not to call him Jim. And so he was Martin to me, and, and so I became Wallace. And um, they taught me in one of my early days here that snapping beans wasn't the right thing to say. It was breaking beans as I helped him on the back porch. And then right after I could no longer hear her speak, I understand, uh, as, as, as uh, Karen has explained to me, that at one point they thought they, she wanted to say something with the BiPAP on in the hospital and um, wanted to find out what it was. And she wasn't talking to them. She was singing my Jesus, I love thee. So we get to do that. So she taught me all the way to the end. Let's stand uh, if, if, you, if it's appropriate for you and let's uh, sing, my, my Jesus, I love thee. Great. 
receive the benediction. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen.